Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Thanks, Mary. Hi, everybody. I'll come a bit closer. Uh, how many of you really do know what an archdeacon does? Because I, I reckon... Tim's never normally wrong. Oh, hello. Hello, everybody. Yes. Uh, how many of you really do know what an archdeacon does? No, OK. Well, if you really want to know, I'll tell you afterwards. Uh, <laughs> and I will attempt to tell you, but I'm not going to uh, spend my 25 minutes, because that's what Tim's given me. Uh, and I'll do my best to stick to time, Tim. Um, I'm not going to spend my time on that now. Um, but it's quite true that, that I um, have been um, not terribly subtly uh, every time I bump into Tim saying, I'd love to come down to St. Matt's at some point. Um, it's probably over the last five years, I should think. Uh, and it's quite ironic that um, I'm here on all my, almost my last Sunday. But I can't tell you how, how thrilled I am to be here um, to be part of this amazing thing and even more importantly uh, to see Libby uh, who is um, my cousin's daughter and I don't know what that makes our relationship um, but it's very, very very special to see Libby tonight so thank you that wouldn't have been possible if you hadn't invited me Tim. So um, I'm going to look at um, Matthew chapter 28, if you're the kind of person who likes to look at uh, a Bible or on a phone or a tablet or whatever, then uh, you might like to turn to the passage now. I'm going to jump around a little bit, so don't worry if, you, if you're not that kind of person. Uh, but I do want to ask a particular question, and I, yeah, I think I might uh, get one of the two people to tell me. The answer to this question, um, why are you here? Uh, I'm quite into uh, funny, witty answers. Uh, yes? You're here for a break. That's a really sound reason. Put your feet up. Somebody get this lady a nice cup of tea or a glass of water. Enjoy. Anybody else want to tell us why they're here? I get in trouble with the Archdeacon if I'm not. <laughs> Tim will get into trouble with the Archdeacon if he weren't here. You can have spiritual answers too if you want to. Is it because I'm the archdeacon and you, you haven't sussed me out yet? Why are you here, Libby? Said he, picking on somebody whose name he knows. You can beat me up afterwards. To worship God. Okay, that's the right spiritual answer. Uh, in all seriousness, I can remember... For me, it was a very, very long time ago, and I'm very encouraged that for some, some people here tonight, it will be even longer ago. Um, I remember when I was a teenager, um, thinking about the question, why am I here, very, very deeply. It's interesting you took my question to me, and the three of you, anyway, why are you here right now? Um, 
and I'm quite happy that you took it in that way. But, but particularly when I was in the sixth form, um, which I absolutely loved, spending time trying to explore some of life's key questions. Who am I? Uh, why do I exist? Uh, what's life all about? And particularly, why am I here? I did a little bit of a, a Google search uh, on the purpose of life. Robert Kennedy, uh, the brother of uh, perhaps um, one of the most important presidents that America ever had and allegedly the best president that America never had, he said, the purpose of life is to contribute in some way to making things better. don't know whether you agree with that. I thought that's quite interesting. And uh, one of my heroes, Martin Luther King, said, life's most persistent and urgent question is, what are you doing for others? What are you doing for others? Some of you may still be thinking about those questions. Uh, you haven't worked them out fully. And for those of us who are serious about following Jesus, we would want to say very definitely that uh, meaning and purpose in life can, can only be found uh, in him. Some people may think they have got the answer to those questions and as they've got to the second half or final third or final tenth or whatever it might be, may look back with gratitude to God for all he's done. And others may look back with sadness, regretting that things haven't worked out exactly as we'd hoped or planned. An American author called Hunter Thompson, I hadn't heard of him either, but um, he exists, and has produced some quite witty writing, which I looked at uh, earlier this week. He said this, in terms of what life is all about. Life shouldn't be a journey to the grave with the intention of arriving safely in a pretty and well-preserved body. This is the bit I like. But rather, to skid in a, in a broadside in a cloud of smoke, thoroughly beaten up, totally worn out, and loudly proclaiming, Wow! What a ride! Now, I really like that. And especially as I head off for retirement, I'm kind of rubbing my hands, expecting some of those things. I want to think for a short while this evening about why we're here. Not just about why we came to church tonight, and not just about the purpose we find in Christ. We're obviously here to worship God, to, to meet one another, to catch up and so on. Uh, but we're also here, fundamentally, I believe, because God has a purpose for us. God has a purpose for us. And that purpose consists primarily of living and telling the story of Jesus. Of living out what we profess to believe with our lips and in our hearts so that others may come to experience the life in Christ that he has for all people. Uh, some famous theologians have said that the church exists for mission 
as a fire exists for burning. The church is the only organisation which exists for the sake of those who aren't yet a part of it. And thirdly, we the church are the agents of God's mission, the community through whom God acts for the world's redemption. Now, some of that language may be overly theological, but it's actually really, really important. Why are we here? We exist for the purpose of God's mission. Why does St. Matt's exist? To live and tell the good news of Jesus. To share it with this community, the community of which we're all a part. That's why we're here. We're all part of God's church and as such we're all part of the mission God has given us to, to share his love for us in Christ in as many ways as we can possibly find with those who haven't yet discovered it or knowingly experienced it. If you like, this is what I have called our fundamental purpose in life, underscored for us by Jesus in the final words of, that he spoke recorded by Matthew. We heard them just now. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. Note the clarity of what Jesus says. Go and make disciples. It's very direct, it's very clear, it's unequivocal. Go and make disciples. Four four words. Sorry, I can't count. Four words. Four words. He then says, baptise them. And then says, teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. Threefold instructions to those who are listening to him. Certainly, the eleven disciples, Judas had disappeared off the scene by then, and quite likely a, a crowd of others who had been his followers at various times through his ministry. I want to say again, this is our purpose. This is why we exist. This is why we are here. So tonight, if you want a summary of what I want to say, it's simply this. Remember always the mission of God. Remember always the mission of God. That is why we are here. Remember always the mission of God. The words that Mary read uh, for our reading that I've repeated just now are the last recorded words of Jesus in the Gospel of Matthew. I'm going to quickly skate through the last recorded words of Jesus in the other Gospels too because they reinforce the same message that we are to remember always the mission of God. Remember always the mission of God. There have been some really interesting, famous last words in history. Get ready for an ah moment. Especially the engaged couple. Sorry, I've forgotten your names. Um, apparently, the, uh, uh, the author, Arthur Conan, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, who wrote Sherlock Holmes, he died at the age of 71 in his garden. And as he died, he turned to his wife and said, 
You are wonderful. Thank you. I'm glad some of you are listening. You're wonderful, and then he died. I'm not sure whether they were actually his last words, but um, the comedian Spike Milligan had written on his grave the words, I told you I was ill. (laughs) They ought to have been his last words. Uh, And apparently, uh, the murderer, James Rogers, was put in front of a firing squad in Utah and asked if he had a famous, if he had a last request, and he replied, bring me a bulletproof vest. (laughs) That that was almost my favourite. Before I was ordained, I used to teach economics, and um, I don't know any economists here, but one of the greatest economists was a chap called John Maynard Keynes, and his famous last words were apparently, I wish I'd drunk more champagne. Uh, But my favourite, and you've got to listen carefully now, my favourite set of last words is a first, uh, is a Boer War general who, uh, in the heat of battle, turned to his fellow officers and said, don't worry, they couldn't hit an elephant at this dist. (laughs) I told you it was subtle. Now, if we were to turn to the end of John's Gospel, the last recorded words of Jesus are actually spoken to his friend Peter. Jesus had, had spoken earlier to the disciples and he'd said to all of them, as the Father sent me, so I send you. And he breathed his Holy Spirit on them and sent them out into the world. And perhaps you were in church last Sunday, I don't know, and perhaps Tim or or somebody else, was speaking about the way the Spirit comes and sends us out in mission. Remember always the mission of God. The Spirit of God is the missionary Spirit of God who equips us all to do God's work. So Jesus, in John's Gospel, has spoken to the disciples, he's breathed on them and said to them, Receive my Spirit, And he says, I send you now out into the world as the Father has sent me. But then later on, he has a quiet word with Peter, who at that point was an utterly broken man. He had denied Jesus three times, although he'd heard Jesus' words, my sense is that he didn't really believe them. And I say this particularly now to those of you who find it hard to believe that God has a purpose for you in his mission. Because he does. Because he does. Because you are a child of God, as we sang in our first worship song this evening. And because loves you as a child of his, he calls you to his service and he breathes his spirit on you and sends you out into the world as he did those first disciples and he speaks to Peter powerfully, compellingly, lovingly and gently and forgives him of his sins and recommissions him for service. Notice that word, recommission him for service. 
And he says to Peter, follow me. And for all of us, it's Jesus who comes first and we're called to walk closely with him. As we leave this place and go back to whatever it it may be that we're, we're planning to do or maybe not planning to do tomorrow, we go as a follower of Jesus into our studies, our places of work, our homes, our communities, our personal networks with families and friends. But we go as Jesus' followers and friends. Not as, in inverted commas, casual volunteers, but disciples. It's a way of life that we're called to, to follow Jesus, to learn of him, to live for him, to become like him in every part of our being. We're called to live and tell his story. And if we are serious about remembering the mission of God, we remember that we're his friends and disciples. We are those who are called to grace others just as we have been graced by God. In Mark's Gospel... Jesus' final words are much more briefly expressed. And uh, he basically says to the women in the garden, Go! And he gives them a message which is actually for his disciples to tell them that he's alive. But what I want to underline is the fact that Jesus gives the women a message and says, go. Remember always the mission of God. We are those who are sent. I don't know whether it happens here, it might happen tonight if Tim remembers. He might say to us all, go, as we leave this place. Go in mission. We have a message to proclaim on our lips and to live out in our lives. The last recorded words of Jesus in Luke's account, remembering that Luke Uh, was responsible for writing the Acts of the Apostles, actually come in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. When Jesus is with the disciples just before he ascends to heaven, the promise of the Spirit has been given, and Jesus speaks words of command and says to his friends, his followers, his disciples, you will be my witnesses. Witnesses with an all-encompassing brief. He says to them that they're to go to Jerusalem, to Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. I don't know what your geography is like, but if you look carefully, Jerusalem is there. Samaria is a little bit further away. So think of a dartboard. Bullseye Jerusalem. Samaria, a bit further away and to the ends of the earth. The circle gets bigger and bigger and bigger. Go! 
he's saying. You will be my witness. A witness is somebody who speaks authentically about Jesus in both what they say and how they live. You don't have to be special to be a witness. You don't have to uh, be theologically adept of a particular age or experience of the Christian faith. You simply need to be able to say and live authentically the life to which Jesus has called us and be able to say something of what it means to be a follower of his. Jesus commissions, Jesus' disciples are commissioned as witnesses as the Spirit is promised to them by Jesus. And the Spirit's influence is universal in scope for he is always leading us beyond our existing boundaries. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, Jesus says, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And that work will continue to the end of time. And now I'm coming towards an end. His last recorded words in Matthew are those which we heard tonight. The eleven disciples go to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. They see him, they worship him. Some still doubt, as some of us still may from time to time. And he says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples. This is why we're here. This is fundamentally why we're here. We are here to continue the work that Jesus began. To live and tell the story of Jesus. We are the sent ones. The ones called into God's mission. Sent into his world. Remember always the mission of God. Some of you may have heard of the Anglican priest of the 19th century called John Henry Newman. It doesn't matter if you've never heard of him. But he wrote very movingly towards, uh, or in his life, God has created me to do him some definite service. He has committed some work to me which he has not committed to another. I have my mission. I wonder what you feel your mission is. Let me read that quote from John Henry Newman again and invite you to think about what he says is his mission, what would you say in answer to the question, what do you believe God is calling you to do or to be? How would you express your understanding of God's mission? This is what Newman wrote. God has created me 
to do him some definite service. He has committed some work to me which he has not committed to another. I have my mission. I wonder if you could say those words. I wonder if you could express what you think God's purpose for you right now might be. If you could answer the question, why are you as an individual here, how would you answer that? Although I'm 65, uh, coming on 66, uh, I'm at the threshold of something really very exciting. I'm dreading missing lots and lots of people. Um, That's one of the things about retirement Uh, that I'm not looking forward to. But I like new things. And I'm really looking forward to the new things that are going to happen when we move house in uh, about three weeks' time and move to uh, North Worcestershire, uh, where we once lived. But I'm really deeply engaging with this stuff. For those of us who are older, and I'm not looking looking at this part of the room now, apart from those towards the back, one or two towards the back, Uh, But I am looking, for those of us who are older, for those of us who are older, it's very often the case that we see our purpose, we see our mission tied up in our role. I will soon no longer be Archdeacon of Bath. And that is making me think very deeply and has been over the last year, as to what God's purpose for me will be in retirement. I absolutely know and firmly believe that if I'm still around at 80 or 85 or 90, God will still have a purpose for me. If you look through the scriptures, there's no sense anywhere that I can find of a biblical concept of retirement. And it's true that in the purpose of God, he often chooses some very, very old people for particular purposes. So none of you are off the hook (laughs) with grey hair or no hair like me. It's a really, really exciting and very, very important thing for us all to be engaging with. Newman says, I have my mission. So what would be our answer to the question? Listen again to the words of Jesus. Uh, I've nearly finished. And I'm well within time as well. So that's good news, Tim. Uh, Listen again to the words of Jesus. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptising them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Jesus gives to all those of us who are serious about following him a mission to fulfil We are the sent ones, sent out to live and tell the story of God. We are to remember the mission of God in all we are, in all we do, 
and in all we are becoming. And there are two final things that I want us to note and two final things then that I want us to do. The two things that I wanted to note are really important. First, Jesus speaks with all the authority of heaven. What he says to us is not a piece of friendly advice, something that he'd like us to do if we can manage to find the time or an odd few moments every now and then. He speaks words of royal command. Go and make disciples. It's Jesus speaking. The King of kings and the Lord of lords. This is not an optional extra, a kind of an add-on. Go and make disciples is utterly unequivocal. That's the first thing to note. The second thing to note is that Jesus speaks words of promise to inspire us and encourage us. For whilst the challenge is huge and sometimes feels very, very daunting, we should be encouraged that the resources of heaven are at our disposal. He sends his spirit. He equips us with power. But most important of all, his promise is that he will be with us always to the end of the age. One of the things I've done over the last 30 years is every Christmas time to make sure I preach about Easter. And every Easter time and during Pentecost to make sure I speak about Christmas. Yeah, you laugh, and it is slightly bonkers, but it's actually really important. Because God is Father, Son and Holy Spirit. And there is an integrity to the way God works. And at Christmas time, if we, if we focus too much on a baby, we forget that he died on a cross. And if in Pentecost we focus only on the work of the Spirit, or at Easter time that Jesus rose again, we forget the, the wonder of the gift of the baby. But as we go, I want us to remember that this baby was called Emmanuel. And what do the scriptures say Emmanuel means? God with us. So right at the beginning of Matthew's Gospel, we have the baby promised. Matthew chapter 1, he will be Emmanuel. God with us. And what do we have at the end of Matthew's Gospel in, verse 20, in chapter 28? I will be with you always to the end of the age. How's that for beginning and ending? Those are the two things to note, two things to do. First, what, has, what one thing has God been putting on your heart tonight? Think about it now. What one thing has God been saying to you tonight? And just turn and tell the person next to you what that might be. Please do that now. What one thing has God been saying to you tonight? Perhaps an old truth that has been underlined for you? Perhaps something fresh or something in which you found new insight? What one thing do you sense that God has been saying to you tonight?
I'm just going to give you a, a minute's more. And the final thing. And this, I'm not going to ask you to talk to anybody else about, unless you want to. Um, And the unless you want to comes after the service. But I want us all to hold a moment of quiet. And I want in the silence for you to be thinking not just about what you think God might have been saying to you tonight, But what one thing might he be asking of you as a result of what he's been saying? What one thing do you sense God might want you to do as a result of what he may have said to you tonight? If you want to tell somebody else after the service and perhaps ask them to pray with you, that would be a really good thing. If you feel more private about it, that's fine. But I strongly encourage you, with all my heart, to write it down, or send yourself a text, or do something as soon as you possibly can, even right now or when we're worshipping and doing the last few songs, because very often, if you don't write down or tell somebody what you think God is asking you to do, you'll forget. Why is it on Comic Relief that they say, text now? And Father, I thank you. I thank you that you have commissioned all of us by your Spirit and send all of us into your world to live and work for you, to live and tell the story of Jesus. Thank you that you've given us power and authority to do that. Thank you that you are Emmanuel and we're never on our own. Please build us up in faith and love. Help us never to be arrogant, but give us confidence in your love and your faithfulness and your ability to work supernaturally in and through all of us. Especially, I pray, those particular things that you've shown us this evening and those particular things that you may be calling us to do, you would burn into our hearts so that we would never forget them and that you give us grace to serve you faithfully and well and to your praise and glory. We pray in your holy name, Jesus. Amen.